Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this episode, Eric Fawcett and I will discuss the commitment of Riley Kugel, Dr. Phillips, top 50 guard uh, to the Gators last week. We will have some fun breaking down the Florida depth chart. That's at the end of the show, around minute 45. In between all sorts of updates on off-season things, uh, health updates on Colin Castleton, Jason Jatobo. We will get into Florida's schedule a little bit. Um, there'll be a moment where I forget that it's the Phil Knight legacy that is Florida's MTE. We'll also talk Jumpman Invitational, Big 12 Challenge, uh, all that stuff. So a lot of good stuff in here, even though we're still almost six months out uh, as it relates to when they start playing hoop. But hope you guys enjoy and enjoy the NBA Finals if you've been walking along, watching along a really compelling uh, NBA playoffs, um, at least from the finals on, I think. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. Eric, uh, it's been a little bit. Um, Florida did get the commitment that a lot of people expected last week from Riley Kugel, the uh, top 50 Dr. Phillips guard. The guy that has really shot up recruiting rankings really in the last like 12 to 15 months. Pretty much like, I mean, Florida was weird about COVID period, but in terms of like when coaches from elsewhere in the country could come and like see what was going on, like Riley Kugel, you know, if you like were to draw a a chart, it would be very proportional to like the world opening up and Riley Kugel's recruiting ranking going way high. Um, So a lot of interest when people could actually see him play. Your thoughts on uh, that commitment? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think about how the uh, that that kind of calendar would line up with with his recruitment. I also think, um, again, there there seemed to be some questions about whether or not he would qualify academically, and I uh, I would say it also maybe lines up a little bit with uh, when there was some some questions about that. Um, his kind of recruiting maybe tailed off, and that's when you kind of saw his recruiting ranking kind of dip down. But man, watching him play. It's, it's crazy that it was just a couple weeks ago and that some recruiting rankings still have him like outside the top 150. I, I think he looks outstanding and I just think he pretty much checks every box. Like I'm not trying to say it's like, oh, here's like a surefire NBA player, but it's like here's a shooting guard, a wing um, at a, a position everyone needs players at who has good size, good athleticism, good scoring ability who can also shoot the ball. It's like this is a, this is a very exciting player. Um, I, honestly... Uh, well, I mean, of course, throughout his kind of recruiting process, I didn't, uh, when he was committed to Mississippi State, didn't watch a ton of him. Been kind of playing catch up the last couple of weeks when it looked like, yeah, he really was going to come to Florida, which he ultimately did. And like, man, it is uh, it is exciting stuff to watch him. And of course, Denzel Aberdeen as well. Just two, two very, very good players, though. I, I do have to point out there was a couple of people that tweeted at me and said, um, hey, does this uh, does this kill your narrative that package deals never work out? And Neil, you'll have to tell me if, if this is for real. But I'm going to say there's this does not at all count as a package deal when these guys, you know, very openly committed <laughs> to different schools. Um, okay, just just had to check. Maybe someone could disagree, but I'm going to keep up my my package deal takes. I mean, hey, even if this one you want to call it a package deal, still, you know, you could point to 100 that that haven't worked out. So still a low percentage play, but man, very exciting to watch some Dr. Phillips games. They play great basketball, and the two uh, best players, yeah, Denzel Aberdeen and and Riley Kugel, and 
man, Riley Kugel is electric. I, I'm very excited for him. Well, you know, I think it's great that Florida like lost to top. Well, they lost one top 50 recruit and one top 25 recruit in Jalen Reed and Malik Renault when they made the coaching change. But to get a guy who shot up and became a top 50 recruit and then to keep Denzel Aberdeen, who was a key player on the state champion, um, I think all of that is very positive. Obviously, uh, you know, Mississippi State didn't just give up on Riley Kugel, but uh, they were able to, you know, the Gators were able to, to kind of convert on the fact that he was in state and that Corey McRae was his recruiter at Mississippi State. Like, I think that's more evidence that this wasn't a package deal. Like, he obviously had a relationship with Corey McRae. He said that he had a relationship with him. Uh, he said, uh, Riley Kugel said that that had a lot to do with him going to Florida, that he really uh, enjoyed Todd Golden, that he believes that they have a plan to get into the NBA. And I think if anybody watches like tape of Riley Kugel, you know, I know you said he's not a surefire NBA player, but he certainly has the ingredients where if things go right, he could be an NBA player. He's, he's long. Um, he can score at all three levels from what I've seen. Uh I always say like defense is an adjustment for most of these kids. He did play at the highest level of Florida high school basketball and Florida high school basketball is pretty good. Um, so he's going to have played pretty good teams at Dr. Phillips. He, he would have missed Dr. Phillips did not play some of the private schools and the, um, you know, the prep schools that totally missed the Florida high school circuit. Like there wasn't a Dr. Phillips Montverde. There wasn't Dr. Phillips IMG. Um, I know they played Westminster uh, down in Fort Lauderdale and lost to them. Um, so like, you know, like these are like the types of programs that, yeah, you know, whatever, but nonetheless, that's pretty good high school basketball that he played and was a dominant high school player. So I feel like um, just a great get for Florida. And again, like it's really weirding me out to have such an embarrassment of riches with like actual wings. Yeah, it's super exciting. I, I again, to me, it shows uh, it shows a little bit that that Todd Golden knows what it takes to win in the SEC, to win at the highest level of, of college basketball. I it's yeah, it's it's just pretty surprising that that Florida's rosters last couple of years had been built with with so few wings, so little versatility, and uh, to see that very quickly golden attacked the wing position in both the transfer portal and high school recruiting uh to me it is very reassuring that he has an idea of what what it takes to win and i think that that's kind of if you get hired at a place like florida i would or i would say even you know any high level high major program first kind of box you want to check is do you know how to win at this level do you know what wins at this level you look at the way that the roster has been constructed for this year and, and of course, just kind of moving forward with a player like Google. Uh, yeah, pretty excited for for what Todd Golden has already built and, and also just kind of the understanding it shows. And it's going to be very nice to not see lineups out there that are small, under-athletic, struggling to guard all these other wing-heavy teams in the SEC. Because, yeah, like you said, it's it's an embarrassment of riches relative to what, uh, what Florida's had recently. Yeah, last point I'll make on the Kugel um, take for folks is that um, I think the other good thing it, it portends well for is is recruiting in the state of Florida, and I think that plus Alex Fudge um, 
is a positive there. Uh, just because they got, I mean, Alex Fudge could have stayed at LSU, certainly Matt McMahon went full court press to get at least a handful of his guys back from Will Wade's team. Um, they get Fudge to come back home. So they land Fudge, they keep Aberdeen, they land Kugel. Granted, two of those players are from the same program, uh, but it's still important. And I think Todd Golden has said it like multiple times now that he's talked to the press. Like, I know I've got to recruit Florida. Um, and I think that's super important because you know that FSU, as long as Ham is there, and they may just do weekend at Bernie's with Ham for a while after. <laughs> anyway, so like, um, if Ham doesn't, if he stuns me and doesn't live to be 109 and still coach, like, um, he looks better than I do right now. So, um, you know, if, if, if that doesn't happen, Eric, um, I still expect them to do weekend at Bernie's with him and FSU will still be recruiting the state and cleaning up. Um, and you know that if Eric Pastrana is at Georgia, he's going to be trying to come down here and land players as long as he's with Mike White at, at, at Georgia, um, Miami, you know, who knows? Uh, they seem to have NIL money to toss around. Um, so, you know, big, I think Florida has to make some inroads and obviously with Corey McRae, they're going to have a weapon to do that. Um, but this is a good start. Unrelated or somewhat related. Neil, do you think that UCF is going to have their basketball program elevated greatly? Not so much a little bit, um, when they make the jump to, to a bigger conference, how much uh, do you see them kind of getting into the mix for some of these top players? There's something that I hadn't thought about a, a lot until recently. And it's with so much conference realignment, you kind of like forget about it. It's early. Sometimes I kind of forget who's, uh, who's going where. And then I'm like, Oh wait, yeah. Like uh, UCF's leveling up here. And I, I just kind of wonder like, uh, you know, do you think that they, they enter some of these, uh, these kind of big time recruiting battles for, for top players in Florida? Well, I think they have a good coach and I think that um, their facilities are fine. Uh you know, their practice facility isn't great, um, but they have their own home arena, which is nice. Um, you know, it's not like they're let's play at Amway or whatever uh, when the Magic aren't there. Um, one thing I think they're going to start doing, which will help them, I think the answer is yes. It's going to, it's going to, you know, the short answer is yes. I think it's going to help to be in the Big 12 um, because I don't think they're going to have any choice but to level up financially and i mean that's the best conference in the sport so they're gonna get crushed uh when they first enter that league i mean even with oklahoma and texas gone they're gonna have some problems it's gonna be a big adjustment i bet like if i were ucs athletic director i would want to be on the phone with the magic like i'd be like hey if we get a big game non-conference or whatever can we play at amway like we'd love to have you know North Carolina come down here and, and play us at Amway one weekend or, or whatever. Uh, I think they need to use that as an asset, sort of like St. John's did in the big East with, with the garden, um, get something going that way. Cause kids would love to play in that arena, I think. Um, so, you know, but I do think, I do think it'll help. I think they will be in the mix certainly more than, um, than they have been. Um, then again, you know, South Florida was in the Big East for a while and it really didn't do anything for their program. So I, sometimes it's about what you spend as well. That almost strikes me as like, uh, as you were talking about that, that sounds like something that like 
Todd Golden would like game the system by playing uh, UCF at like a semi home for UCF that's at Amway. I forget exactly. I know there's like a system. Absolutely. With like, with, like how yeah. many miles and like who, like what, uh, what team's program is responsible for tickets. Like I, 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 I feel bad that I brought this up and then realized I didn't know the full story, but there's something about that when, when you could play like these semi home, semi away games. And like, I just like, I just, that just struck me as something where like we, we like see the Gators actually go down to Orlando playing at yeah. Amway, playing UCF and like UCF's not very good. And suddenly we look at the end of the season there's, and it's like, Oh, there's a good 12 point quadrant one win for, for Todd, Todd gold at the Gators. So um, that is interesting. I mean, Hey, that's a, that's a good asset for, for UCF. I mean, I, I, I know there's probably going to be plenty of UCF haters um, listening to this podcast for sure for many, many reasons on the football side. But hey, if they wanted to get good at basketball and and make another interesting in-state, you know, basketball rival, um, I almost wonder sometimes, does you know, I, I or I shouldn't I shouldn't say wonder. I openly wish that Florida had more basketball rivals. I don't really feel like Florida has a lot of big time basketball rivals and the basketball rivalries they are. I feel like they're maybe a little bit more one-sided than some people would would suggest i'm not sure kentucky cares quite as much as about these games as as florida fans do so um hey if there's you know any of these teams wants to wants to become a become a rival i mean hey why, why not so uh let's see what ucf does yeah no i think that's a good point i, I will say billy donovan um was he did it for recruiting but florida was famous for touring the state, he's like Billy Donovan's state tour was the nickname for it, uh, branded by Pat Dooley. And, you know, I mean, Florida would play a game in Jacksonville. Like, they're like, oh, we'll play JU in Gainesville like once every two years, but we will absolutely go and play them at like Veterans Arena, which isn't their home floor, but it's where the NCAA tournament gets played when it's in Jacksonville. Um, and JU could sell like half the tickets and we'll fill the place up. Uh, and they would do that with UCF. Um, they wouldn't, they'd play it like Disney a couple times. Um, and then they would play a game in Tampa, uh, somewhere. And then they would always have the Orange Bowl Classic. So they get down to South Florida. And anyway, by the end, you know, with the home and home with FSU, Florida had pretty much touched like every part of the state and there was no other program doing that. So it was just like Billy and the, you know, they're always leaving tickets for recruits and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I saw something pretty interesting. I, I don't know if there's any more story behind why this is happening because it seems kind of random, but Oklahoma state is going on the road to play Oakland of the horizon league, um, for just a true, true, as far as I'm concerned, just a, a true road game at, at a, mid to you know low major whatever you want to call it you know oakland's probably going to be like just in the top 200 of of uh of the net i would say so like me you know it's just it's one of those i've got it i've got to find out if there's some some other story there but i i know it was announced and i'm like hey that's awesome i mean if there's ever one rule and i I don't know if this would well i i kind of know slash assume this would never happen but i know it's been kicked around for as long as i've watched college basketball that is if there was ever like some governance that would, would actually want to uh, put this in like mandating that every power five school or power six school has to play one true road game at like a mid at a mid major school or some, some team outside of like the top nine conferences. I I think that'd be so cool. And I I know that 
the net is so important and gaming the net is so important and TV contracts and money are so important that not every school can just be like, ah, screw it. Let's go on the road to, you know, whoever, but you know, it'd be pretty fun if, if Florida was just like, Hey, let's go, you know, play on the road at, like you said, well, yeah, like Jacksonville, even in the state. I'm even thinking like Oklahoma state going to Oakland is so random. Like, could you just imagine, you know, Florida going on the road to play like Cal Baptist or something just for, (laughs) um, yeah, it's just something I, something I saw and we'll see, but Hey, we'll see We'll see as the net gaming becomes more prominent with, with Todd golden. Maybe he sees a team like in Oakland, like a top 200 ish net team. And says like, Hey, let's go on the road there and get like, uh, you know, sneakily, whatever, quad three or get a little better for quad two but it's interesting and hey maybe maybe recruiting wise it's uh it'll happen sometime or yeah florida gets an out-of-state recruit that they say hey you're awesome let's go play somewhere by your home out of state just for you know a little little thank you for coming yeah absolutely and i i love those games too that that uh florida has scheduled under donovan and white where they try to get closer to to where out-of-state recruits come from at least once so that their families can see them. Um, it's better when they play, you know, um, <laughs> it's weird to sit the Roselle Catholic kid against Maryland. Um, but you know, <laughs> uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so a couple little injury updates before we get into depth chart stuff, which is going to be kind of the bulk of our conversation tonight on a more abbreviated edition of Florida basketball hour. We can do these in the summer. These, these kind of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if we have a full hour tonight and that's fine. Um, but Florida did get an update on uh, Colin Castleton and Jason Chitobo, uh that came at the, the end of last week when um, Todd Golden met with the media. Um, Castleton not going to be around for summer workouts. I mean, he's around, but uh, just, going to graduate school. Uh, so um, he is not going to do any summer workouts with the team. Um, he still recovers from his shoulder surgery. Uh, and then Jason Jatobo uh, is doing, uh, you know, workouts again. He is, um, he's doing some shooting. He is doing a lot of conditioning again, finally. And Todd Golden was complimentary and saying, uh, it seems like he's really committed to getting back in shape, um, you know, which hasn't always been a strength for Jason. So that's great to hear. Um, so he looks to build on what was a real promising year last year until the injury at Tennessee. Yeah, it's good to hear that he's able to, to work out a little bit. It was just one of those things where, like, when the injury happened and people are asking us, oh, like, how long do you think Jason Jatobo is going to be out? It's like, well, we're not medical experts. And when I tried to play medical expert by going to my friends at in street clothes to see eye injuries, there's just not a lot of uh, not a lot of precedent for guys having those similar injuries and, like, what their recovery is. So especially for a player like him who's like, yeah, if he's off the court for any number of, of time, he's – probably a little bit more likely to put on weight than some other players. So uh, it's just like an injury like this is like maybe even more devastating to him than anyone else. So pretty good to hear that he's already able to be, to be working out. I hope even long after his eyes are healthy, he continues the sunglasses look. I think that it's, it looks incredible. Um, it's, it's kind of that. Yeah. It's almost like got that like Stevie wonder. Yeah. Kind of, like he just got such a, like, a coolness about him. So I would love to see some like off the plane, you know, walking into game, kind of looks with with him having the sunglasses so i hope that that sticks 
but uh, yeah, it's good to, good to see he's healthy. And of course, like I think the other kind of elements of it that people were kind of, you know, had some fun with and, and enjoyed hearing was Todd Golden saying like, hey, we're going to have Jason just Tobo just bombing threes and uh, in practice and, and seeing if he can hit them. Uh, what, what do you think of that? And do you think there's any chance we see uh, Jatobo kind of letting it, letting it fly this year? I mean, you never know. Um, I guess, you know, might as well have him practice it. And if they leave him open, um, you know, see what happens once or twice. Uh, I love Jason's personality. Like you said, I, you know, I think the shades thing has been, even if medically prescribed, he's, he's done it well. He's a guy that's always smiling you get the sense because he hasn't flirted with the portal or anything like that, that he likes being at Florida and he's doing willing to do what it takes to win. Um, you know, so I think uh, all of that is, is real promising. I know that if they're having Colin Castleton work on threes, I have no problem with them having Jason Jatoba work on threes. And I mean, they all due respect to Colin Castleton, but like when you're 0 for 13 or whatever Colin was, then you're 0 for 13, man. Yeah, it's true. And and uh I I even wonder as as well, even if Jatobo is somewhere in the 0 for 13 range of, of a Castleton from the last couple of years. It's <laughs> right. Like, you know, in non-conference, do you see him put up one or two a game just to put it in the back of the mind of defenders and and you hope that it, you know, mostly catches rim. Um, that was the kind of thing with Castleton is like some of his early misses were were so off that you could tell the teams are like okay we're like you know we're not concerned at all but sometimes even with these centers it's like they pull a wide open one and it you know rims out spins around a little bit they're like okay we don't want to let him shoot the next one but when you catch all sideboard like side of the backboard and foam on the underneath of the backboard it's like yeah this is not uh not going to gain much much respect but yeah it's it's uh, uh the other thing i i kind of like too is that to suggest that, okay, we're going to give Jatobo the, the green light here in practice and see if he can hit threes and Castleton will do the same. It kind of suggests that what we expected is, is probably true. They're going to go to the five out that we obviously saw at San Francisco. Yep. And um, of course saw at Richmond. Um, so uh, I, I, it, it, it also, it's, it's not even to say that, okay, good. They're going to use the system. It's going to be awesome for sure that it works, but much like I like the fact that the roster is being built with a bunch of wings that suggests that the coaching staff knows what it takes to win in modern basketball. I, it's also just nice to hear that we're in whatever may, whatever that interview was. And it seems like the style of play is understood and the players that are going to be on campus that are going to be working out will know the style of play. And uh, I think to just have that kind of ironed out quickly, will bring some cohesion and hopefully, uh, hopefully give an advantage to the Gators early in the season as they come together with, with of course, what's going to be a, a roster of, of several new pieces. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this uh, and those are great points, especially the fact that, you know, it seems like they have an idea of what they want to do offensively before summer workouts start, um, which is a little different than even the last couple of years under white, where they went into summer workouts, trying to kind of decide what they wanted to be and then decided on something and then shifted back to something altogether different in the regular season. This team is not, you know, they're not going to change their identity offensively. They'll make adjustments, but you won't see them um, overhaul their offense entirely in the middle of the season. I don't think Eric. Um, and then the other thing obviously is I think that's a huge deal to have an idea of how you want to do it in several workouts, especially when you have a veteran point guard. Uh, which, you know, I, I would count like 
I'm a big believer that like a guy like Andrew Nimhard was a veteran point guard as a sophomore already because he had started every game in the SEC and two games in the NCAA tournament, right? And came back. And, but I mean, it, Kyle Lofton is is obviously quite different than that with four years of college basketball under his belt, uh, albeit none in the Power Six, but still. Um, you know, probably the Florida's first time with like a real serious veteran, pure point guard um, in a while. I think uh, too, I mean, this is another tangent that, that we don't have to get into, but uh, even talking about experience, like it's always interesting to evaluate these players that play it like a Montverde, because on one hand, it's like they're playing with all these awesome players. Uh, is this like incredible experience or does it kind of insulate some of these players? And I think that right. what we've seen with some of these players that play in an elite pl- program, it's like, okay, they maybe weren't as good as, as we thought, but, um, and they were kind of propped up by playing for such a good program. But with Andrew Nemhart, like playing with next to, you know, future NBA players and playing significant minutes and playing a pro system, it's like, okay, it, it does seem like the reps he got at Montverde really prepared him so that early in yep. his freshman year, he played like a, he played like a, like a veteran point guard. And then, I mean, if we want to get into like him playing for Canada's senior men's national team at 19 years old, uh, getting like 12 games in the summer playing again with NBA players. Um, well, this time, fu- this time, current NBA players, not future NBA players. Like he was on my bird. I mean, pretty valuable experience. So I kind of like feel by the time he got into his sophomore season and it already had, you know, 12, 20 caps with the Canadian national team and playing at Montverde and then getting all these minutes at Florida. It's like, yeah, he's not your regular sophomore, but uh, like you said, yes, the ridiculous minute loads that a Kyle Lofton has um, is, is definitely a, definitely a different level. So, um, and uh, we, we definitely talked about it a whole bunch with the Kyle Lofton episode. It's uh, it's good to have, good to have a, a veteran at that position. Even uh, um, we, we loved the the somewhat veteran of, of Andrew Nemhard at the time. And, and then, uh, you know, Tyree Appleby last year, as much as he maybe didn't always play like the prototypical veteran in terms of turning the ball over it sometimes, it's still a, still nice to have for sure. And uh, that should be should be very helpful for the Gators this year with Lofton. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, uh, I mean, to your point, their backup point guard at, at Montverde when Andrew Nimhart was a senior was Michael DeVoe, who was, um, I think, the ACC player of the year. Uh, not last year, but the, the year prior to that, um, and the ACC tournament MVP when Georgia Tech went on that—that's what it was. He was the ACC tournament MVP on a team that had the ACC Player of the Year, uh, who who went on to the NBA, and obviously Josh Pastor's career was not the same last year. But Michael Devoe was still out there uh, pouring in twenty and six every game. So, no, uh, when those are the guys pushing you in practice, and there's an RJ Barrett out there too, and it's a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit different. And and you're right. Sometimes you can, I won't mention any names, but sometimes you can become like a top 50 rim protector type player and, you know, not really be that good. And, you know, other times you're Andrew Nimard. Um, nonetheless, uh, so Florida still has the one roster spot open. Uh, the player that we spoke of on the last – podcast FAOB GD uh, withdrew from the NBA draft. Um, I think likely to go back to Washington state, Florida indicating they've kind of moved on from, from him. Uh, but they do have one spot open. Todd Golden. I appreciated the fact that he was super candid. Like, yeah, we're looking for a front court player. 
Uh, you know, so, so Florida clearly wants another front court piece. Um, and, you know, I will say two things real quick and turn it over to you on that, Eric. One, um, everything should – the targets are now pretty clear because the NBA draft deadline has either passed or is about to. Um, and then, uh, two, they haven't taken a flyer into me like Juco guy that I've never heard of. Um, so right now I'm pretty good with where, with where Florida is. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like uh, up until – well. If we had recorded this podcast like a week and a half ago, and we originally were going to before life got in the way and we had to push it back, I would have thought that Todd Golden talking about really wanting a front court player, uh, like to me, I thought that that suggested that, oh man, Jason Jatobo's recovery must not be going very well. Because as it currently stands, it's like, okay, they've obviously got Castleton. CJ Felder was tweeting that he feels healthy for the first time in a while. That's a good sign. Alex Fudge, you know, should be good to good to go. And um, and then you add in, you know, Jason Jatobo, and it's like uh, all these these front court options. It's like, okay, it seems like Florida's it's not like a you know ridiculously ridiculously deep front court, but it's like, hey, here's you know five guys that look like they can they can give minutes and be really good in the case of at least Colin Castleton, and we think could be a couple of these other guys could be really good. So uh, it was interesting to hear when when my initial take was going to be like, oh, they're they're looking for a front court piece. Oh man, that must not be good for for. Jason Jatobo, but now we know Jatobo should be, you know, is, is on a good path to being healthy. So uh, I still was a little bit surprised that that was, uh, that was going to be the way that they went for, or that they're like, oh, this, it's a front court player. But at the same time, it's like, well, now they have two point guards or, or three point guards, in, including Denzel Aberdeen. We talked just 10 minutes ago on the podcast. So it's like, wow, look at all these wings they have. It's like, well, the next position, I guess, would be can they get another true center? So uh, I, it's it's of course you know going after Effie. It was like this is a guy that they they were pretty interested by. Uh, he was pretty interested in the NBA. He stayed in the process pretty much as long as he could. A lot of buzz that he'll try to go the G League route. Um, so when you kind of see that he really wanted to go pro, is now really looking at the G League. It's pretty clear that. Well, I shouldn't say pretty clear. I wouldn't think that's the kind of guy who wants to come and play behind Castleton or maybe play right. next to Castleton a little bit. So I can kind of just see how it's uh, was not a great fit. And uh, especially again, for a player, for a player like that, I, I maybe Florida's coaching staff would, would see differently than <clears throat> me, but I, I don't think he would be best utilized playing next to Castleton. And if he wanted to play more minutes, that would be the place he, he kind of would, would carve it out. So kind of, kind of makes sense, but um, man, there's still a lot of names in, in the portal. Um, still some, some pretty good centers out there, um, that are starting to be in the range of like the guys you would expect would be willing to play behind Colin Castleton for a year and you right. know, compete with the other guys for minutes. So, uh, we'll see how that goes, but I could definitely see them holding it open. I, I know there's a lot of people like, you know, Malik Grady, he wants to see the international big man. He's been talking about it for a while on, on Twitter. Yeah. So, and then, Hey, maybe they've got someone, got someone in mind there on the international route. Again, I would suggest that. I, I, will a guy come from overseas to from one of these NBA academies to play off the bench right away? It's like um, given the front court, maybe, maybe not um, wide, wide range of possibilities there. But uh, I, and I also like that. They said, Hey, maybe we'll, we'll leave it open. Maybe Alex Klatsky's going to, well, they didn't say this. I'm suggesting it. Maybe Alex Klatsky ends up or Jack may ends up with a scholarship. Uh, uh, we, we'll see, but it's, it's again, nice to nice that we can kind of look up and down the roster and say, okay, we can actually see, each player giving kind of meaningful minutes and there's uh 
yeah, I'd be like, again, I don't want to speak too soon. Maybe they will go the flyer out, but there were some guys that going into the last couple of seasons, there's a couple of guys where we're like, okay, we don't think they're going to contribute this year. So that's okay. They'll develop in whatever. And then unfortunately those guys were pressed into service for various reasons, but so maybe we're just being the fools once again, but looking at this roster, it's like, okay, like if they get someone else, obviously that's awesome. But if, if they don't, and it stays open. Still awesome. We like this roster. Yeah, uh, all very well said. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, I think with F.A., if he goes back to college, it's going to be at Washington State. I don't think at this point um, it's very likely that he's he's going to transfer anywhere else. Um, look, you know, Osaya Sifo, guy that they took over P.J. Hall, um, eight points, six bounds a year last year for a Pretty darn good Ju team, but not not uh, didn't start every game. You know, eight and six in that league, uh, and then we'll see what Tune Gackett does at Texas State. Uh, I mean, I think that Texas State team has a chance to be pretty good, actually. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see like how many minutes Tune Gackett gets um, at Texas State. It's one thing like that. You know, when you have a podcast about Florida basketball, like people like Eric Fawcett and me and, and I don't know, maybe Malik Grady, I might have listed all three people that will track Toon Gackett's minutes that season um, <laughs> that aren't Texas State fans. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's possible, right? So, you know, I don't think we're going to see a Toon Gackett or a Sion Sifo on this roster, and I'm fine with that. Um, great point about Klatsky maybe as a guy that – or Jack Gay as a guy that they could – throw a scholarship too, or, you know, we'll see. Um, I guess if Todd Golden says he's looking for another front court piece, I'm going to take him at his word that he's looking for another front court piece, but it's got to be the right fit. It's got to be somebody that's comfortable playing behind Colin Castleton and arguably playing behind Jason Jatobo too. Like, Hey man, you're going to come in. And if Jason's healthy, you're going to have to fight for minutes against him as well. So um, I think, you know, we don't know what the staff, Thinks when they watch Jason Jatobo on film. Uh, yeah, Eric. So a couple of quick points. I mean, first for people who don't know, Elijah Kennedy also off to Texas State. Um, the package, the package deal actually is a thing. Um, Texas State can go get the former Flyers from from the Gators. Uh, <laughs> while while a lot of package deals don't work, I I did forget earlier when talking about it. There was a package deal right in front of me that the two guys going to Texas State. So. Um, while high school recruit top level transfers, the package deal is, is dead. The Florida flyers not working out and going to Texas state that that package deal is, is alive and well. So, um, and then I forget what the other point I was going to make. Uh, I, Oh, 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 this is actually, this was while, while you were talking about PJ hall, you jarred my memory, jogged my memory, whatever the term is. I was looking at bar Torvik the other day, they have their player projections for 2023. I was like, Oh, I should look at some of the, the, the players that uh, are probably going to lead the league in scoring. According to bar Torvik at first, it's like Sam Sessoms from, uh, from Coppin state, you know, Darius McGee from Liberty, Max A. Smith. There's some familiar names, you know, Foster lawyer. And who is there at the 12th position? PJ hall. So uh, Bar Torvik right now has PJ Hall as the uh, oh, projected uh, to be the 12th highest scorer in, in college basketball, averaging. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, just uh, sorry, I had to do this. You 18.9 points and 7.5 rebounds. So that is the current projection for PJ Hall. 
Uh, we continue to be PJ Hall fans despite the fact he is not in orange or blue. And I was actually, I, I swear I was going to make another point as well, but I do not remember it um, because I'm now sidetracked with that. Anyways, PJ Hall, once again, going to be fun to watch on a Clemson team that unfortunately is not going to be great. I don't think. And unfortunately, no. PJ Hall might be destined for, uh, you know, a, a really good college career at, at a high major program that has not been great. And uh, maybe that means to one day be in the transfer portal. Um, but right now he is just simply at Clemson and projected to be a very, very high level score. And I'd have to think um, with that projection that he's also going to be in the mix for ACC player of the year. And honestly, if he ends up being top 12 scoring in the country, which again, I, I think might be ambitious, but like, Hey, maybe um, then that would probably put him in all American talks too. I would have to think if he's just rebounding the ball a ton, going to be tough if Clemson's not very good and he's just still putting up a bunch of numbers there, but you know, could be in the mix for ACC player of the year. Yeah, I mean, Moses Wright was ACC Player of the Year, and they probably weren't going to the NCAA tournament unless they had won that ACC tournament because Michael DeVoe went on a heater, and Moses Wright was kind of Moses Wright. <laughs> um, you know, and that could be P.J. Hall's fate at Clemson. Like, he's just going to need a teammate to, to kind of be the, the Robin to his Batman because they are not going to be, like you said, great. Um, Texas State, on the other hand, 21 and 8 in the in the Sun Belt last year. Uh, Sun Belt regular season champions by two games. Lost a great Sun Belt final at Georgia State. Um, if anybody watched that game. Uh, and so they didn't go to the NCAA tournament, and then they lost in the first round of the NIT. Uh, but they're coached by Terrence Johnson, who I think is one of the real rising stars in the industry. Um, to that point, I mean, the guy's like 41 and 15 in two seasons uh, at Texas State, um, has won the Sun Belt twice. So, um, yeah, I mean, Texas State should be just as good next year. And we'll see how many minutes a guy like Toon Gatkit can get at Texas State. I think Elijah Kennedy will play quite a bit. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I actually remembered the other point I was going to make before I got sidetracked with PJ Hall projections. Um, I, I One thing that I – kind of thing is interesting too just about the still looking for a front court player is it maybe alludes to the fact that at San Francisco they they played you know a lot of five out they also still played a lot of two bigs at a time like two true centers on the floor at once and played that duck and ball screen that we kind of saw a little bit back in the days of Omar Payne and Kerry Blackshear and a little bit with Omar Payne and, and Colin Castleton with one of those players setting a ball screen while the second player uh, seals the help and, and kind of railroads that defender and, and kind of allows the guard to go straight to the rim without help. So uh, I, I do wonder if that means just like maybe like the past staff, they see CJ Felder as kind of a true power forward, not a center. Uh, if they see Alex Fudge as someone who's a four slash three, and uh, maybe they do want to play a whole bunch of, of, big, big basketball. We know that rebounding is very important um, to Todd Golden, which I absolutely love. And one of the things that uh, yeah, if you want to you want to rebound better, putting some legitimate size on the floor will do that. So um, while I also, while I first thought that them going after another center was a suggestion that Jason Jatobo maybe wasn't healthy, and I was obviously wrong on that one because he turned out to be healthy. I'm also wondering if it's another kind of allusion to the fact that he is planning on playing um, quite big and we're not going to see, you know, yeah. like yeah, lineups with like Will Richard at the four. It's going to be like, no, it's going to be like 
Alex Fudge and, and CJ Felder at the four. And maybe like, it looked like they were pretty interested with like a Janai Broom next to Colin Castleton, or maybe yep. an FA or, you know, a Josh Mbala. Like they've, they've been going after these, these names. And it, it's maybe suggesting to me that we see some jumbo basketball in a way that we just have not seen since uh brief, brief stretches of Omar Payne or Kerry Black, sorry, Omar Payne next to Kerry Blackshear and, and then Colin Castleton. Yep. Uh, last note before we talk depth charts is scheduling stuff because people always ask about this too. So let's just dive real quick into that. The, the Oklahoma game in the inaugural um, Jumpman, there it is. It's on my shirt. Jumpman Invitational <laughs> uh, it will be Oklahoma. So Florida has basically played Oklahoma, it seems like, every year in the last few years uh, in, in one fashion or another. That Oklahoma team ranked 32nd in the current Bart Torvik uh, projections, so right around where the Gators are. Um, and, you know, we all like Porter Moser, so it should be a lot of fun in Charlotte around Christmas time. Um, and that will be uh, kind of cool to see the Gators play in, in that tournament. Um, I guess it's not necessarily a tournament. It's just a you know event, a multi-team event, an MTE, as they say. Um, the Gators also do have an MTE. Uh, I forget where it is, um, but they have one. They are playing Connecticut. That game was postponed because of COVID and stuff, so they finally will get Connecticut into Gainesville. Uh, that was announced. Um, should be a rebuilding team for UConn, honestly. I think they were supposed to be a little better than they were last year, and that didn't all pan out for them. Uh, kind of a rebuilding squad for them. And then we are a about two weeks away, according to the SEC meetings today, from SEC Big 12 Challenge announcements. Traditionally, they pair it up with uh, – it's pretty comparable to where you were in the standings. So it's like standing versus standing type situation. All I can say is that the Gators will be on the road. Um, they will not be at home. They rotate home and away. So wherever Florida is, it will be a quadrant one opportunity almost assuredly. Um, and we should be hearing about that in the next couple weeks. Could be TCU again, um, if I were a betting man, but not totally positive about that. Hey, TCU is going to be good. That would be uh, that'd be a good game. I I really like TCU going into next season. Um, it'd be hilarious if it was just like, okay, Gators, you're playing Oklahoma again. Um, I of course, uh, Porter Moser is my favorite coach in college basketball. You know, after <laughs> after 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 Todd Golden, of of course, I should, you know, but uh, uh, our guy. But uh, you know, I love Porter Moser, and we'll just you know speak poetry about him every time he comes up on the podcast. So I think he's excellent. They got Grant Sherfield, who was one of the kind of the prizes of the transfer portal is guard from Nevada. And then they kind of bring a lot of the guys back from last year, who again was not a super talented team. So that, that talent's right. not getting any better from guys returning, but a little more veteran. And again, I think Porter Moser is incredible. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun. Um, and uh, I think I also remember that I was announced a while ago that, that Florida is going to welcome Florida Atlantic and, and Dusty May. So uh, it's kind of been nice. I've been waiting for, for Dusty May to, to be able to come back, yeah. come back into town. So uh, that's, that's, a, that would be also like, you know, if we're talking these like fictional worlds where Florida is going to go on the road to like a mid-major going down to South Florida with, I guess there's pl plenty of options for mid-major teams in, in South Florida, but Hey, and they're also, they're also moving up a league as well, Florida Atlantic. So maybe that would become a little bit of a game. 
coach. Um, he's got some big guys that they play through really well. So, so that should be a, a pretty fun game as well. Just kind of style of style of play wise. And um, it also just had me, uh, of course, when, you know, your assistants go elsewhere, it's, it's, it's uh, programs we want to follow. And um always kind of wondering, are we going to welcome those guys into town? So like Jacksonville looking like they'll be pretty good. Wonder if we see that game. Um, and uh, also wanted to mention with, with Darius Nichols at Radford, um, Florida adjacent news. Um, Flor- uh, he gets quite the uh, fascinating newsworthy transfer addition in Brian Antoine, which had a lot of people in college basketball. Yeah. Saying, like, wow. That's uh, that was pretty crazy. So um, for Darius Nichols, uh, bringing in, bringing Brian Antoine, I mean, I, I've got to say like, it is pretty cool. Cause I remember when Mike White first got the job at Florida uh, and uh, of course they were kind of getting the Dante Bassett's and Eric Hester's of the world as they tried to prove that they could, uh, you know, compete at, the high major level before some of these guys wanted to commit to them. And uh, Darius Nichols went right up to New Jersey and went after these five-star guys and in, in Scotty Lewis and Brian Antoine. And I remember uh, coaches saying that he was wasting his time and, and uh, ne- thought he'd never get those guys. Of course it was like two years or yeah, two years later is in 2018 when, when Scotty Lewis commits to the Gators um, that was obviously a huge get. And uh, then you fast forward, you know, to 2022 um, someone that, that, Darius Nichols started to recruit in, in 2016. He finally gets to coach Brian Antoine. So I'm not exactly sure how healthy Brian Antoine is. Of course, that's been the unfortunate thing for him. Who's just never been able to get healthy. And yeah, with all, and again, with, with all due respect to the Radford program, it's, it's, it maybe says something about his health. Maybe it says something about his health that he's going to end up at, at Radford. Um, but I hope he's totally healthy and, and I hope that that league or that team is, is awesome. Um, you know, we're, we're fans of Darius Nichols for sure. And it would be a, just a pretty cool story if they get a former McDonald's all American, he gets, you know, gets his knee right, gets rehabilitated. He's a hundred percent. and becomes like player of the league in that, that conference. I think that'd be pretty cool. So, um, yeah, that's just a kind of the, the former Florida assistant watch where, uh, you know, maybe some, some future games in, in uh, upcoming seasons doesn't look like it'll happen for Jacksonville or Radford this year, but um, who knows? I don't know if I, I, they, they, they do have a couple of, a couple more spots. And shame on me for not remembering the MTE because it's the Phil Knight legacy out in Portland. Um, and I should have uh, remembered that very quickly because I cannot recommend it off to anyone that, like if you're on that side of the country, you should go. Um, if if you can get out there and justify that type of trip for Thanksgiving, go. Um, just an incredible event last time, and still one of the better college basketball games I've ever seen. Uh, Florida and Gonzaga out there. So uh, no Gonzaga in Florida's pod this year. We'll get into that when it all happens. I promised depth chart, and I got a few minutes before Eric has to jump. So. Uh, we will assume that Colin Castleton is Florida starter at center and Jason Chitobo is the backup, and we'll work backwards. Um, Eric, hit me up with your uh, projected um, depth chart at the four if the season started today. Oh, man. I uh, I said last year that I thought C.J. Felder was going to be the starter. I am going to bank on a guy who didn't do a a, a bunch in SEC play last year. But it's not CJ Felder, it's Alex Fudge. I'm going to take the athleticism, the length, and uh, uh, a little bit of the skill and shot making we saw in high school. I'm going to project that it's uh, after a freshman season that was a little disappointing that he kind of comes into that. And uh, I, I'm just thinking his his talent kind of wins out. Right now I'll go Alex Fudge and maybe flip a couple of times before we get to uh, to day one. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a Fudge and then Felder uh, situation. I think both will play uh, a good amount of minutes. I think if you broke down 200 minutes, Eric, um, that's probably the spot where I feel like it's going to be most equitable. Um, and I say that with other things to discuss um, coming up. So at the three, uh, I did not give myself the three on purpose, guys. I promise. I just kind of had – I decided to work backwards spur of the moment. So um, <laughs> Kwesi Reeves is going to play the three for Florida. Um one of the Jake Winderman moderated questions for our preseason show will be more minutes per game. Uh, Kyle Lofton or Kowasi Reeves. Um, <laughs> I bet it's close. Um, and I think when there are backup minutes at the three, they'll go to Niles Lane or uh, Will Richard. Yeah. Uh, huge breaking news from Neil there as this year's, predictions superlatives overunders <laughs> preseason spectacular will not be hosted by me it will be hosted by jake winderman who uh uh if people follow him on twitter may might know that he uh how do i put this uh respectfully jake i love you um uh degenerate <laughs> gambling, <laughs> degenerate gambling tendencies um jake <laughs> so i think that he will be well suited to setting up the game and coming up with some really good over-unders. So, um, yeah, shout out to Jake. That's going to be an awesome show uh, in, like, many months in what feels like an eternity in, like, October. But that's going to be good. So uh, I have no disagreements with you there. I think Kwesi Reeves is primed for a very big sophomore season. Um, I was watching a couple of the Florida's last games of the season. And, uh, yeah, Kwesi Reeves was awesome and has me very excited for next season. Um, and uh, I agree with you as well that uh, I think that uh, behind that, I would have uh, I'd have Niles Lane, who we also saw play very well in those final games of the season, um, kind of co continuing to come into his own. And uh, I, I think he'll be kind of the guy that I would put for for backup minutes at the three. Yeah, and I have Will Richard there, too, like because I think a lot of that's interchangeable. We get to the two spot and that's where I get to put Eric on the spot again. What do you do here? Because. John Rothstein is convinced that Byron Jones is the starter of the two, but he's like the only one. <laughs> Everybody else, it's like a Will Richard, Niles Lane debate with most people leaning towards uh, the Belmont transfer. Yeah, I think the fans vote would go to Will Richard. Um, and I think, hey, if you're if you're John Rothstein and you're taking in the Todd Golden content and or you've maybe even talked to Todd Golden, you're hearing a lot of positive Myron Jones stuff. So I think Myron Jones might be where the smart money is. But I'm going with my backup small forward, and I think it's going to be Niles Lane starting at the two. I think that this is a defense first head coach. And I kind of said that I thought Alex Fudge and kind of his talent, athleticism, defensive prowess would be the reason he starts at the four. I think it'll kind of happen at the two as well. And and Niles Lane uh will will be out there. And uh I think uh that might be where where things definitely get contentious because that'll be uh very different than uh than the I would say, yeah, the, at least uh, the, the kind of Twitter fan um, that we kind of interact with the most that would have Will Richard um, because I think it's Niles Lane and then behind him I'd put Myron Jones and then third on the depth chart I'd have uh, I'd have Will Richard. Yeah, I mean, I think Will Richard, and we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast, thrilled that he's a Gator, uh, terrific skill set, um, and I think a player that uh, is going to contribute in a big way next season. Um, I would be surprised if he had more minutes than Niles Lane. Uh, per game at the end of the year um, because I just don't know if a defensive first head coach is going to take a guy who's 
a top 20 points per possession against defender off the floor a ton. Um, he's certainly going to give him every opportunity to play. We saw Niles improve his offense. It's still a work in progress for sure. I think Niles would tell you that. Um, but I think either him or Myron Jones will start at the two. Uh, will, Richards will, will Richard will play there, and that'll be great. Um, you know, I think Will's going to play some of the three. I think when they play smaller, Will could play some of the four. Uh, so, you know, um, you know, any of that uh, is, is all seemingly very possible to me. Um, Myron might be a guy that if he's hitting shots, he stays in. And if he's not, it's a quick hook and he understands that. And him and Todd talk about that. Um, you know, the one thing this team doesn't have right now is, you know, a lot of lockdown shooters. They got a bunch of guys that can score at all three levels for the first time in a while, Eric, but they don't have, you know, like an assassin outside of Myron Jones. Uh, so that's that's one reason to kind of lean that way. But I think, look, we just saw the Heat almost broken <laughs> by the end of the series, go seven games against the Celtics, starting a defense-first lineup and bringing scoring off the bench. It's a formula that can work in modern basketball. There's no reason why um, Florida can't do that. Yeah, I, I would say you look at our depth chart versus, again, like the Malik Grady-led Twitter one that I think a lot of people agree with. And and uh, it would be that Niles Lane is just getting is just ahead of Will Richard at two separate positions. If that were to be disrupted, I think it would be because Niles Lane, or I shouldn't say because, you know, just if Niles Lane continues to struggle shooting the ball and if Will Richard is a little bit or improves on shooting the ball, that could right. make things a little bit tougher, um, especially if, you know, look at some of these other spots. If Kyle Lofton doesn't shoot the ball better, if Quasey Reeves doesn't shoot the ball like we think he would, and then it's like, okay, we got to get shooting somewhere. And Myron Jones is a great, you know, the knuckleballer that you throw out there and see what happens. Um, it, then maybe Will Richard, who's, you know, a safe kind of solid shooter. Um, maybe he gets in, but uh, yeah, I, I, I know some people will not agree with our depth chart, but again, I just, uh, I'm, I'm still, Waiting to see again, like it was his freshman season at Belmont and he was playing a lot of power forward where he was posting up and setting screens and rolling. And he did have some catch and shoot opportunities, some, some to play off the catch. And he was pretty good in that scenario, but not awesome. So for someone who just wasn't quite like anything that you would call a guard skill, he did not showcase at a great level at, it was at a pretty good level. So of course he was a freshman. It's not like he's locked in as a player. So we'll see how he gets better, but it's just one of those things that to automatically slide that guy into a starting spot over guys who have mostly proven it at the sec level already. It's, it's just a little tough for me to do. So I wouldn't call it the most, I wouldn't be you know shocked if, if Will Richard does end up playing um, a little bit more than, than we think. Um, but right now I'm just going to go with uh, the kind of, proven athleticism, proven defense and, and uh, sec experience. Yeah. I mean, I do think that Lane is, is more athletic um, than Richard as well. Um, and I will say that. Yes. Uh, so, you know, um, we'll see. I mean, Will Richard definitely has a lot of things that you love and that's why I'm so glad he's a Gator. Uh, we'll see. You know, I, I'm certain he's going to contribute just like I think, Trey Bottom's going to contribute, even though he's not going to play uh, as much with a guy like Kyle Lofton on the roster as he was before Kyle Lofton committed. So we don't really need to discuss the one. I think it's Lofton, Bond, and Aberdeen, unless you have any hot takes to the contrary, Eric. 
Uh, the only question is how much Lofton plays. Um, you know, how many minutes does uh, 100%. Uh, does he get? I mean, I guess you could also say the other question is, do we see Kyle Lofton at the two ever with Trey Bonham at the, at the one? Um, right, right. Poten- potentially, um, we'll see. And it, again, it's one of those things that we just hope, we just talked about they're going to be some some pretty good players at the two and three. How, you know, does it get to a position where, where Florida wants to play two point guards? Uh, that might be because some of these wings aren't quite as good as we, as we thought. So, Tough to say, yeah. but I, I I do think it's probably a matter of just not who starts, but just how many minutes does that does that starter play? Well, we're gonna uh, get back to the normal FBH signoffs um, pretty soon, but I still want to pay homage to the great McCubert for the rest of the summer. I think in our signoffs, Eric's gonna go join a Magic podcast where they debate Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith. And that's gonna be fun for Eric. Um, so. Thank you all for listening, and as Mick would say, so long, everybody.